Hey folks, welcome back. That was Dabo and we are the podcast. Three guys drinking beer in a garage in San Francisco talking about Clemson athletics. Except today we're two. I'm joined today by Cody and I am Ben. I'll be your host today in place of our normal host Tully, um, who's getting ready for a multi-week trip to France uh, for work. Cody, let me ask you this. What type of culturally insensitive company sends a Clemson man to France for the start of the college football season? They obviously don't care about college football like they should. Apparently not. Now, I know he has family and heritage there, but this is kind of like sending a pilgrim back to England for Thanksgiving. <laughs> on, the, on the upside, he does, he does get to go to the Louisville game and I think one other Clemson game uh, while he stays in Beaufort for an extended time. Well, it still sounds like a dark hell to me to, to miss the beginning of the season, but we're sh- um, sure he'll be up late. Uh, there in Paris on September 3rd to see the Clemson Tigers take on the Auburn Tigers to kick off the season. Um, Yeah, so this is part one of a two-part season preview for us here at the podcast. In this episode, we're going to break down the offense and defense, and this weekend we'll analyze our schedule and opponents to give you our essentially our 15-0 predictions for the season. Cody, how many of of us do you think uh, predict us to go 15-0? I would say it's going to be all three. Can Can you really predict a one or two loss right now? I mean, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. There could be a wild card in the bunch. You know, we try not to be homers. We try to be uh, critical where necessary, but we'll see how that works out. Anyways, uh, looking good coming up to start the season. We're really excited. Again, this is part one of a two-part preview that we're going to be putting out. Uh, we start this week. Clemson was ranked number two in this uh, preseason AP poll. No really surprise there. Alabama's ahead of us number one. Kirk Herbstreit actually has us uh, as his national champion pick so interesting to, sh- to see out of all the espn pundits that he's a little bit less fanatical it seems and i tend to trust him more i think i think herb street's great and if you actually look at espn.com a lot of people picking clemson i feel like people gravitate towards greatness and i feel like deshaun watson is is the guy they're probably leaning on and we'll get that to that in a little bit because i kind of take a little exception to people saying that he's the reason why uh we have a shot at being the national championship because we have a really good team around him too. But again, we'll get into that. And before we really get going here, uh, one topical thing that's that came out in the news today and is the schools at this time every year uh, release their rules and fractions to the AP, their NCAA rules and fractions. And as it turns out, apparently Dabo's been butt dialing some recruits. Cody, how serious is this? Have you? I mean, how many times have you butt dialed someone? And I don't mean it's always FaceTime too. How many times do you see a FaceTime coming in and you're like, holy crap, I don't want to talk to that he, person. He butt-dialed FaceTime. Yeah, I mean, it happens all the time is what I'm saying. <laughs> I get it. I have to reject a number of FaceTime calls, and I know they're just butt-dials, and that's kind of the, 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 the sign that it's a butt-dial. Isn't this more of a recruiting disadvantage, I'd say? I mean, this recruit picks up his phone and he sees Dabo's ass on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you know it's not really his butt, Ben, right? <laughs> Wait, butt-dialed? Yeah, but it's – anyway, well, I'll explain that to you after the show. Uh, it's it's an accidental dial. I guess the only like the actual concern would be was it was he tr- actually trying to call him? Was it an, or was it a mistaken dial? And was he aware of the rules? I, I like to think that Dabo is not going to like risk uh, the program over a one one phone call. No, well, and obviously it was a mistake. And the sad thing about this is the NCAA is probably actually looking into this because you know they don't do anything actually important uh, in the world of college football. So they dig into little crap like this. Um, anyways, no big deal. Uh, just something funny that we saw uh, pop up today. So before we get started and really dig in, uh, big thanks to TigerNet um, and the partnership that we had with them this year. You know, we're in California, so we really rely on others 
to get us a lot of the information that helps us form our opinions and talking points uh, to do the show. And TigerNet is a great resource for that. Um, for instance, you know, they came out this week and let me know that Carlos Watkins had an injury that I was unaware of. Were you? Re- did you realize he was injured? I, I did not know he was injured. I must have missed it too. So, yeah, something I missed, I wouldn't have known it, but, you know, good update for them to keep us all informed. Um, and also be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your other favorite podcasting apps. We really encourage you to leave us reviews because while our moms do listen to the show and give us feedback, they're a little biased and kind of just tell us what we want to hear. So, uh, you know, we need some honest opinions. We really find it valuable as we try to improve on what we do and really uh, find out what you guys want to hear from us. So, you know, please leave us a review and subscribe to us. So, Cody, let's now get into our position group preview for the 2016 season, and we're going to start with the offense. And to put this simply, they're going to be really good. Enough said? Yeah, we talked about it during the offseason. We feel like they're going to be it's going to be the best offense in the country. I have done, you know, some some research on other uh, you know top offenses statistically. Will it be the best offense in the country? I don't know. You know, we're going to blow some teams out by the second half, but I think from top to bottom and recent memory in my my memory of being a Clemson fan, I can't remember a team that's really looks this good on paper from top to bottom with depth, with the assortment of pieces throughout the roster, different skill sets, um, guys that complement one another. It's uh, down the down the line. It's just an incredible roster and an incredible offense and it starts with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, you know, when we as we did last year, when we started off doing a, a preview of the position groups, we kind of looked to the year before and figure out what we lost, maybe what our weaknesses were, and how we need to improve on them this year and obviously talk about the newcomers. The thing is, there weren't a lot of weaknesses last year, and there was not a lot of attrition, uh, so to speak. You know, We have a lot of guys returning, a lot of experienced guys, a lot of moving parts in this offense, but these guys are confident and they've grown confident in what they are doing, and they're obviously all bought into the system. So, I, again, really hard to pick apart the weaknesses on this offense. There, I mean, there were a few last year, and as we get into this, I think we'll kind of we're plugging guys in, and that I think that may like Mike Williams, for example, as a wide receiver, that is a huge point of need for the offense. Or was last year, so I think a lot of the, the weaknesses. Uh, that existed last year will be corrected just through player development, just natural progression through a player's career, but also just getting in some quality depth. Uh, guys coming off of injuries, uh, Adam Choice, Mike Williams again. Yeah, so a couple other things you know that we can kind of point out is the running game uh, really needs to improve inside the tackles this year, and that starts on the offensive line and with blocking. We'll get into talking about those linemen, but we're really seeing that there is an improvement, a big improvement this year that's really going to to aid in that um and the other thing bringing that tempo back up that they used to have under chad morris i don't believe we ran as many plays last year but i think again with these experienced guys that are have been in the system we're going to start seeing us maybe get back up to that 90 plus uh, plays a game number i think we feel confident where we don't have to run uh you know maybe kind of give the counterpoint there would be our offensive line did finally start to establish a between-the-tackles running game last year. I think it can be approved upon, certainly. But I think when you can beat a team, go head-to-head, kind of the way we did against Oklahoma, and say we're going to keep coming at, at you right up the trenches, right, we're going to beat you in the trenches, and you can't stop it, it makes it where you don't have to run 80-plus plays. Whereas, like, look at the beginning of the Chad Morris era, 
uh, we didn't we had a def- deficiencies all over mainly on the offensive line i think that it kind of uh, made us have to do that to cover up other flaws but now hey we can we'll beat you with 50 plays we'll beat you with 80 doesn't matter yeah, so it's really no longer of a, of a gimmick offense. Um, you're not trying to wear people out, I guess is what you're trying to say. You're really slowing the game down a bit. And I guess that can happen when you have such elite talent and depth at every single position group on your offense. Absolutely, absolutely. Can we start? I'm, I'm kind of looking, looking at my chops here. I want to talk about a Sean Watson. Well, everybody does. Um, <laughs> a few more things, and I, I think we'll, again, once we pivot to the defense, we'll talk about this a little. But I think a few other areas where this offense could stand to improve um, on last year's. Number one, they're really going to have to help out the defense a lot more this year by staying on the field longer. Uh, there were some careless turnovers last year. We didn't sustain drives as well, and we had a little bit of issues in the red zone. So, again, I think with this experienced offense, Deshaun Watson coming back and now his full second year um, and a full offseason of preparation, that we're not going to wait as long to get clicking on offense this year. They're, these guys are going to get moving right away. Yeah, I don't think people fully understand how important it is to have an offseason to, for one, to rebuild your body. Deshaun Watson came in, came in, came in, he came in, he was, he got, I think it was an, uh, a collarbone injury his freshman year, and then again with the ACL from sophomore to junior year, where he, or uh, from freshman to sophomore year, where he wasn't able to get those very precious reps in over the offseason. He's gotten them in now. Now he's, he's in the weight room. He's up to 218. He's the biggest, you know, best looking version of Deshaun Watson we've seen so far. And I think there's something to be said for that. That's what gives me confidence. You talked about like the early weaknesses of 2015, and it was very much on the early part during the early part of the year where we struggled. And I think as the year went along, we got better. Things started clicking more and more. And I think we pick up where we left off. I don't see why we wouldn't. Everybody's back. So do you think part of it last year, and again, maybe trying to pick on some of Deshaun Watson's weaknesses, which is equally as hard to do as it is to find them in the offense in general, was he, you know, we criticized him a little bit last year getting off of that slow start. Was it just a matter of fact that he's so good that it seemed like he didn't play well at times just because we know how good he is? But even when he was not, when we perceived him not playing well, he was still playing at a pretty elite level. <laughs> Close to like a Heisman level, right? Yeah. He was on that Heisman ballot. <laughs> you might say that. I, I think, yeah, I think that he has, even from the time he was a freshman, he's set the bar so high for himself that we expect such great things. And yeah, I mean, he was performing, I guess you could say as well as Taj Boyd ever did in the first six games, but we, we just like, we just felt like he doesn't quite have it. Things aren't quite clicking. Uh, to me, it was, it was all in between the years. You know, you get a little bit, you feel iffy when you're coming off an ACL injury. You don't feel comfortable in the pocket. You don't want to take that hit, you know, to the backside of your knee. And I, I feel like that's where he was just, he wasn't poised, and then you saw the act, the absolute opposite by the time the Alabama-Oklahoma game rolled around where he could just – he was picking apart the defense to a tee. He had such a great awareness, sense of sense of awareness when he while he was out there, knowing exactly where five yards, where ten yards lies. And no one in that zone read or the option uh, run option when to give it to Gallman, when to take it for a nice extended run. Uh, I, think, I think that's the version of Sean Watson we're going to see from the onset. And that being said, like you mentioned, he's had a full offseason to improve on things with all the things that he was doing so well by the end of the last season, the best player in that national title game. What is there to improve on? Is it is it scary how good he's going to be this year to start the season? I mean, we hear he's working on his footwork. He's working on becoming a better leader. But outside of that, there's not a lot much else that people have been criticizing. Yeah, he needs to cut down on some of those 
uh, interceptions from last year, maybe some better decision making in, in the in the zone read. But other than that, I mean, this is this is getting nitpicky at this point. It is. It is. I. I, w- I hope someone will go back when we had about 50 listeners or maybe 50 subscribers when we first started about a year and a half ago. And I would compare Deshaun Watson to Andrew Luck, the best college quarterback since Andrew Luck. And I, I think it's starting to come to fruition. He needs to have maybe another great year, but I think he could even surpass Andrew Luck. And we thought it was a, a possibility, but I think now it's it seems like it's that's the path he's headed down. And just in terms of his the interceptions last year, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I, I think Mike Williams and having these bigger receivers on the outside, Jordan Leggett, I think more readily available and readily used in our offense will, will change things a bit. Yeah, but let's not put all the blame on not having Mike Williams because some of those interceptions were head scratchers just to a certain extent. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting that you compared him to Andrew Luck because I saw him more as a Aaron Rodgers type, just the way he is able to use his legs. Uh, and- Colin Cowherd had a very good uh, description to Sean Watson, and that's when this whole debate and controversy about whether or not he's a dual-threat quarterback, Colin Cowherd, who I usually don't agree with, described him as a pass-first quarterback who has escapability. And he also mentioned that that's what will get you by in your first few years in the league as you're learning a different, um, you know, more in-depth concepts at the NFL level. That's what will get you a paycheck or get you get you by, those legs, the escapability. And I was listening to Jordan Palmer. That's actually Carson Palmer, I believe the – Bengals. No, I, I don't even know who he plays for anymore. Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. Throwing to Jerron Brown, handing off to uh, Andre Ellington. Right, right. So that guy, uh, his younger brother, Jordan Palmer, is uh, works with a lot of elite college quarterbacks. And he, he, he name an elite co- uh, quarterback, he's worked with them. He's worked with Deshaun Watson, I think, for the last few years now. And he said the biggest thing that surprised him, that blown him away about Deshaun Watson, was not anything about his game, he said, I already knew how great he was. Every facet, he's pretty advanced. He said the thing that surprised him was his ability to understand things that, and he, he mentioned in Clemson specifically, Clemson as a program putting him into a position where he knows very in-depth, uh, complex concepts that a lot of uh, quarterbacks in, in college just don't learn until they get to the NFL level. So that's a huge endorsement on Clemson's program. So you can almost call him a triple threat quarterback. He's got he can he can throw, he can run, and he's intelligent. I think the the part of it is I don't know how much he's pretty much hit a ceiling in college. I mean, I, I hope he carries what he did in Alabama game on to 2016. But it's it it seems like he's getting ready. He's fine tuning his game for the next level. At is this it point. just going to look so easy for him this year? I mean, are we going to be watching this offense and be like, man, expect him to hit every single pass, especially with the wide receivers he has, and he's going to have plenty of time in the pocket with all these you know these studs blocking for him. I can't help but think it's going to look like a video game at times. He just and he's going to have pass protection. He's going to have time in the pocket. He's going to have a running back that you have to fear every down, and he's going to have big receivers that he can that that are more forgiving than the ones last year. You throw it up, throw a fifty-fifty ball. That interception turns into a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I just think it, as fans, we need to stop and pinch ourselves every once in a while just to make sure this is real because. He is just so uh, fantastic, such a game changer, the likes of which we've never seen at Clemson, really, that I think as fans, we're not going to really know what we've we've had until he's gone. 
And it's unfortunate because we do look ahead to Hunter Johnson, who is a looks like the next big thing, who's a senior in high school. But uh, but it, they're not talking about him the same way they talked about Deshaun Watson. I guess. I guess. It, it, Deshaun had something special about him. He wasn't as highly ranked as Hunter Johnson, but we all knew something because he was committed since he was a sophomore in high school. And we because all, Clemson wasn't on the on the big stage yet either, I think that has an effect on the perception in the college football world is how how good your team's doing. Like, did they really expect that Clemson could uh, recruit and sign the number one quarterback in the nation, given what we had done up until that point? It's a different story now, right? I think well, for everything we needed for our offense, he was exactly the guy, and Chad Morris was. Just kind of couldn't wait till he arrived. Unfortunately, he didn't quite make it long enough to actually get to coach him. But uh, we'll we'll take him and, and enjoy everything that he's given to the university and, and his amazing quarterbacking ability. So listen, we know what Deshaun Watson's going to give us, but a lot of the pundits out there are saying that it's you know we live and die by Deshaun Watson. I really think it is more than one guy though. So let's turn now and look at some of the other guys on the team we've given Deshaun his proper due yeah yeah and like, we know we know what he can do so let's look at we'll some move of the other guys on the team yeah and but I first want to turn and look to the backup quarterback situation with Kelly Bryan and Nick Schusler because I honestly do think that if Deshaun Watson was to go down for any reason that this offense is good enough that one of these two guys the coaches could put them in there and we could still win a lot of games well I mean yeah it's pretty simple uh, the, the schedule is really bad aside from Louisville Florida State and, and maybe Auburn. So could Kelly Bryant or Nick Schusler or some combination of both get us through uh, get us through Auburn? We'll hope that's not the case. Maybe uh, Louisville, possibly it's at home. You know, Florida State, I think we need DW in there. But they, they have quarterback questions as well, though. Are you talking about Florida State? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they do. I, I think they have a more reliable guy, a guy they feel pretty good about, and we'll talk about that during our next episode. But uh, looking at Schusler, looking at Kelly Bryant, it, you you look back to like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow a long time ago. I'm not saying it can be that good. You're talking about a Heisman winner and a guy that was you know an All American caliber player, but you're talking about guys with skill sets that are, that are complementary. Schusler's going to be a pocket passer. Bryant's going to be that run first dual threat, and and hopefully they're both they both get enough reps to where they feel comfortable. So if every, anything ever did happen to Sean Watt to Deshaun Watson, they would feel comfortable going in there up against higher level competition and, and i think kelly Bryan really is working himself into becoming a dual threat quarterback because the passing game is where he's been the, the weakest and his decision making in the pocket um so he's really going to have to develop into that and part of me worries that you kiss you just can't take a tremendous athlete and teach them how to throw um but we'll see what happens we hear he's, he, he's improving maybe we have a little bit of concern with the fact that he's not separating himself from Nick Schusler, but hey, I think this speaks you know volumes to what Nick Schusler has been able to do. He's been undervalued and underestimated a little bit. You know, you, you talk about Bryant being quicker, and he is certainly he's a dynamic playmaker with his legs, but Schusler's faster than most people think. Yeah, I don't think he's getting any like Stout was kind of quick in a forty time, but he wasn't able to scramble, and that's I mean it's Sean Watson's not a burner by any means. But he, he's got a better awareness. I don't think Schusler has that. I don't, he's got okay speed, sure. Uh, he's faster than Peyton Manning, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peyton Manning is like 40 now. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think Schusler. I'm kind of waver back and forth in terms of is it the best of the kind of the worst, the, you know, whoever emerges from that backup quarterback battle? Is it 
Kelly Bryant in his I, seeming I guess, seemingly deficient uh, arm or you know, passing abilities, or is it Schusler who you know we feel like he's probably a, a pretty competent passer? Um, I, I tend to think that Bryant has to be the guy if we if if we were to lean on one of these guys with like the ultimate upside. He do, he is. It's not easy. Like you said, he, he's he's not picking on catching on to the passing as fast as we would like him to. But I don't feel it's easy as a high school quarterback in just his second year. You know, it's it's his, his right. true sophomore year to pick up on these concepts. Uh, I don't think it was anywhere near as complex when he was in high school. I, I think he's going to learn, hopefully, throughout the year and get that valuable experience. Maybe it comes in a third quarter during a blowout, but he will get that experience. Well, and listen, he was talented enough coming in that they didn't redshirt him last year. And this kid is determined, and he's a perfectionist. So if anybody can do it, it's going to be Kelly Bryant. Um, for me, I, I really, honestly, if it came down to one of these two guys, I don't think the coaching staff is going to flat-out name a number two guy. Maybe they do, but we know that they're interchangeable at this point. Because so I think it comes down, it's going to be a situational decision if one of them has to come into the game. If we're behind and you need to throw, then you pretty much know the Schuessler is going to have to be the guy that goes in there and, and does that. If, if we're behind by enough where we need to throw. I think if it's a close game, and Kelly Bryant's dynamic playmaking ability uh, can you know, give you some benefit, then I think he comes in. If we're well ahead and you just need somebody to manage the game, maybe you go with a Schuessler. You know, I don't know that, you know, I don't have a definitive answer for that, but I think that's really what it comes down to. It is very situational. I, I agree with that, and I look at if there is a situation. There, these guys are going to be putting the bright lights in, in, in large stadiums. This is not the spring game where both guys look pretty solid, I guess. Uh, things change. How, do, how does a guy react when he's got to lead his team, uh, balls in his hand, uh, the, the fans are loud, they're screaming? How do they act? How do they respond in that type of situation? And that's something that's different than looking at these guys in a spring practice or spring game or even in fall camp and where they're getting you know dummy reps. We'll see how I, we'll see how things shake out. I have to think, though, I'm not overly confident. We're, we'll just say this: we're not a championship team without Deshaun Watson. It's not like Ohio State, where they go from JT Barrett to uh, I can't even remember Cardell Jones, I guess was his name, uh, who you know let him not a drop off at all when they when they when he went down. Yeah, and absolutely nobody expected that out of Ohio State, um, and I would not expect that to be the case here, but. I mean, listen, and I agree with you. We're not a national championship team without Deshaun Watson, but I still think we can win the ACC and go very far, depending on when they would have to come in. But, hey, let's hope that doesn't happen. But really, at the end of the day, all they have to do is throw it up to one of these stud-wide receivers that we have. So let's move into talking about those guys, because not only do we have the best quarterback in the country by our estimation, by a lot of other people's estimation, I think we have the best wide receiving core in the country. And you can say arguably the best wide receiving core in the country, but we feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and I think maybe a lot of the national media is going to overlook this because of the fact that Mike Williams did not play last year, aside from that you know, first drive of the season, and because a lot of people are still undervaluing Hunter Renfro, despite what he showed on the field in the national championship game last year. So I think ACC coaches probably know for sure because you know they played against Mike Williams. Obviously, they played against Hunter Renfro last year. But the national media, I don't think, is catching on. So I think we're going to take a lot of people by surprise in that aspect. And, of course, Deshaun Watson is going to make them look really good. But equally so, I think they're going to make him look really good. I, I, I think so. You look at – you said Mike Williams. We've already give, you know, talked about him a few times. I think he is the best receiver in the country. And I think with Deshaun Watson passing it to him – it's going to bring out the best in him. I mean, Deshaun's already awkward, uh, accurate as it is. 
having a guy like Williams who just doesn't lose. He's 6'5". He, he just doesn't lose those 50-50 balls. He goes up, high points the ball, huge catch radius, has the makings of a first-round pick. He's he's a game changer. He, we missed him so much last year. I still so many things would have went uh, would have went differently. Would have won the national championship. If Mike Williams is in that game, we would have won the national championship. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think he's really going to wow us this year. So, um, so Clemson fans get ready. You know, we really didn't get to see him last year, um, and we're kind of going off a of speculation of how good he's going to be. But you know, at this point, we trust the coaches. We saw him play the year before. He still hasn't had that truly, truly breakout year, but this is going to be it. As long as he stays healthy, I mean, all the stars are aligned for this kid to really make a huge splash on the college scene, and you're going to see him shoot up those draft boards. Right, and the only time you saw the special, how special he could be in 2014 was when Deshaun Watson was in there. If you remember, Deshaun was on a seesaw of injury to health, injury to health. But when he was in there, he would connect with Mike Williams. They had an unbelievable chemistry from the beginning. Uh, moving on to another guy that I like who could be the most talented receiver. We're talking about Mike Williams as a first-round pick, but this guy, Deion Kane, a uh, true sophomore. You may remember him, uh, the guy that I think it was like a, a smoked marijuana or something. Uh, yeah, it's it's speculation, I, I think, on our part as to what happened. We heard rumors. But whatever it was, he didn't have his head on straight last year, especially at the end of the season, made some bad decisions. But from all accounts, he has come back determined. Um, you're hearing all him say all the right things. You're hearing uh, his roommate, Christian Wilkins, say really good things about him. The coaches are really high on him right now. So great to have Dion came back. He's going to make a huge impact you know, behind Mike Williams this year. It's between him, Mike Williams, and really Trevion Thompson is going to be re- uh, the reason one of our other weaknesses, red zone efficiency, is really going to improve this year. For Dion Kane, for one, he's not a bad kid. You know, who didn't smoke a little pot in college? Um, you know, he made he made a mistake. He made an error. He was an 18 year old kid. So let's let, you know get that let's get that straight. He's a good he's a good kid. Has like you said, he did everything to get out of the doghouse since he was suspended uh, from the playoff. He has got talent that no one, no other receiver on our roster possesses. And as great as Mike Williams is, and we'll talk about our Tavis Scott, who is one of the best receivers in Clemson history, and he's not even our best, even our top two. Deion Kane offers something that uh, really no like the combination of speed, just elite game changing speed on uh, fade routes, deep balls. He can great hands, great hands, and he's still learning. Or he was last year, last year still learning to be a wide receiver. He actually played quarterback in high school, so he you know he played receiver in those seven on seven camps, but he wasn't able to really fine tune it and learn route running, learning you know how to get off uh, you know people at the point of attack, and he's he's learning the nuances of the game. Another year to work in the system with, with Deshaun Watson, and I expect him to be just you know quickly to mer- quickly emerge as one of the best receivers in the country. He might not be a name brand quite yet, but I think he I think he will. And listen, I mean, he's right now second string at the nine spot behind Mike Williams, but he can play multiple positions. I, yeah, I we're, think he'll slide into the five just because we're going to see packages yeah. this year with with him, Deion Kane, Williams, and Artavis Scott on the field at the same time. How scary is that for opposing defenses? Right, and I, I just can't see like you keeping Deion Kane or any of those three guys you just mentioned. I mean, and Hunter Renfro is great in his own right, but the talent level of Mike Williams, Deion Kane, and Artavis Scott, I just, I, I think that's going to be your starting trio. So let's let's flip to Artavis Scott here. I really think that he's kind of the crux of the offense. What he means in the college game to this type of offense is huge. I think he's going to lead the team in receptions again this year. I mean, he just has that speed, the quickness, and burst and natural ability. Um, that really translate perfectly to the college game right now. 
He's everything we need on the outside. We in our system, we value that guy that's built and plays like a running back on the outside, but can also, you know, double as a receiver. And he is that guy. I can't think of how many times last year he was just running over defensive backs. I think in the Notre Dame game, he just trucked the guy in the end zone. Yeah, he's more physical than you think he'd be. Incredibly physical, yeah. He, again, looking like a running back, but you give him a little bit of space. He's got a good enough speed uh, to where he can beat you. He can get those extra yards, give him a screen route. He's going to drag a, a cornerback about five or six yards every time. And he, he will forever hold a soft spot in my heart for that play down the sidelines at, uh, against South Carolina a couple years ago <laughs> where he was tiptoeing over Sky Moore when we finally broke through and beat them. That was an amazing play, and he was only a freshman, a, a true freshman at that point. Um, yeah, this kid, it's just, when we say it over and over again, we're so spoiled with this embarrassment of riches we have at wide receiver that it's it's easy, gets easy, easy to overlook some of these elite talents, and Artavis Scott is a prime example of that. Again, I think he's going to lead the team in receptions again this year. I, I probably agree with that, and when you consider, we, we talk about him as one of the best receivers in Clemson history already, He's only a sophomore, or, or I'm sorry, he's only two years through the program. This is only his junior year. Now, granted, he will most likely graduate early, but yeah, a huge, like just a great player from day one, just came in with the right makeup, the right mindset, and the right work ethic, and you're seeing that. And I think, and we'll talk about Wayne Gallman here in a second. You're talking about guys that have improved year by year. Artavis Scott's that guy. And also, we hadn't talked about, he was he was injured last year. He, you could just tell he was a little, right. little, little he, slow. He, yeah, he didn't have that same... A burst of speed that that you normally and you remembered seeing from him from his freshman year and yet he still battled through it and to have him back fresh again this year and plus you're going to have a guy like Ray McLeod who can come in and the coaches are going to trust him more uh, and, and spell Artavis Scott then you don't risk you have as much of a risk of an injury you're keeping these guys fresh we're so deep at wide receiver this year we haven't even you mentioned Hunter Renfro there for a second He's a starter, and you saw what he did last year. Um, you know, with defenses focusing on these other guys that we have on the outside between Artavis Scott and Mike Williams, he's going to be free to run, you know, and, and get chances to make plays across the middle. He's going to be a, a big part. He's going to you're going to see him like you saw last year. He's going to be making big plays in in big moments, and he's just one of those guys because he knows the game better than anybody else and he's he's not a bad athlete he's not no it, i mean let's not undersell him as no, just some short white guy that you know plays hard well, that's I mean, scrappy well listen he surprises people by winning a lot of one-on-one matchups um he's a great route runner i mean he has so many tools that make him a really good wide receiver and he listen he was undrafted or sorry uh wasn't really recruited he was a walk-on walk-on yeah uh it was his red shirt freshman year last year and he elevated himself to the position he was in that quickly. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what he was able to do. He can play two of the three wide receiver positions, so that flexibility is good for having him in the game. He draws a large amount of passive interfer- pass interference calls, and that again, that speaks to his ability to beat a lot of guys in one-on-one coverage. He just—it's he, all about body positioning. It's like James Harden or Stephen Curry in the in the NBA. They just have so much. Uh, I guess they understand the game so so well, and you start pulling your arm over, he'll get his arm under, and he draws the pass interference. And he might not even had a chance in a lot of cases of catching some of those pass interference balls last year. But that's just, I'm smarter than you, I'm going to beat you one way or the other. And that's something that he brings to the table, and, and probably another guy that will probably play in the NFL someday. Well, and again, that speaks to his... Uh 
his mental capacity for the game because it's all the illusion of it, right? And you don't necessarily like you draw the pass interference calls in that way. I mean, one is beating your guy, and they'll try to make up for it by getting physical with you. But then just the illusion of being near the ball and having a chance for it, very cerebral. He's got a good mind for the game, and he fits in well with this offense because I think he can kind of fade into the background. A lot of people are going to forget about him. Well, yeah, that, and I would say, I always compare like Tom Brady. Uh, Deshaun Watson is the Tom Brady in terms of college, just understanding every facet of the offense, of where he needs to be, what he needs to do. And Hunter Renfro is on that same level when you're talking about mentally, uh, just being that, uh, knowing where to go. He can always trust Renfro and Deshaun Watson. You could see last year, he, he's got he's he's going through his reads. He knows who to go to. He knows who will be in the right spot at the right time, and he can always trust Renfro. Let me talk about Ray Ray McLeod just because you, you kind of breezed over him a little bit because um, I know how much you love Hunter Renfro, Ben. So, <laughs> Big fan. Uh, you caught it last year. But Ray Ray McLeod, in my opinion, I think he's going to take his game to the next level. He Like Deion Kane, he was a five-star talent out of Florida, a true sophomore. Got in there last year. From the, from the early going, you could tell – he had an advanced understanding of the game. Just He picked up on things really quickly. The problem was he was a little undersized. Uh, he succumbed to injuries a bit. Uh, he dropped a few drops there at the end. But I think he offers something similar to Artavis in terms of like a running back on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. But a more elusive, more uh, you know, lateral quickness, agility type, make you miss, and open field speed more so than Artavis. So I compare it to a thunder and lightning on the outside. Well, he's right in line to step in for Scott next year. Scott ultimately leaves for the NFL draft. Uh, and you're going to see it a lot this year is you're going to see our first and second team or wide receivers get swapped out a lot during games, like during the beginning of games when it's still close. They're just so talented and so deep. You're going to see all these guys. The coaches are going to have a good way of getting these guys on the field. I think so. And there's going to be a lot of reps, hopefully more a couple added games with the you know, ACC championship with hopefully a playoff. So there's going to be a lot of reps. A lot of guys will get to catch, and a lot of people will catch the rock for sure. Well, and then hopefully there's going to be several blowouts on this schedule this year, so we get right. some of the the less heralded, so to speak, guys into play. Some of the younger guys. We're talking about Trevion Thompson. Um, you know, he can make a big difference in the red zone, as I mentioned this year, and he deserves some playing time. Cornell Powell, the true freshman coming in. Um, he doesn't do anything at a real elite level, but he does a lot of things well. I agree. I, th- I think he physically is ready as a true freshman. Uh, he, he's got great speed. He's learning to be a route runner. Uh, I think another guy, I compare him a little bit to New Hopkins. We'll see if he has that same just alpha dog mentality when the ball's in the air. But a guy that doesn't, he doesn't blow you away with speed, doesn't, or good speed, but doesn't blow you away with it, uh, doesn't necessarily have a huge frame. I think he's only 6'1", maybe 6'2", similar to Nuke. But I think when it's all said and done, you're seeing like from Nuke Hawkins in the NFL, you don't have to necessarily be, uh, you know, Randy Moss to, to make a living and do really well. So I think Cornell Powell is going to be a true, very, very, very good receiver in time. Not sure where he fits in this year, though. Well, again, look for him in blowout situations. I mean, that, that is a reason to keep an eye glued to the TV, even we're up by 30 on some of these lesser opponents. Right. Get these guys in there and see what they can do. Um, let's talk about a few other guys that are going to be catching the ball this year, namely Jordan Leggett. Not a lot of chatter about him in the offseason. Really, the only thing that he needs to improve on this year is, is his blocking. Um, but, but that's about it. Shockingly, I think he may be a secret weapon this year just because of the sheer talent we have at wide receiver. Somebody's got to be open. Hey, you've got to double-team Mike Williams. Uh, 
don't underestimate that and don't underestimate don't excuse me don't underestimate Deshaun Watson's ability to know that they're going to have to bring safety help to Mike Williams side every every play. Uh, Jordan Leggett will have some some opportunities just right, uh, right down the seam. So he's going to have a huge role, I think, in this offense. Well, and speaking to that, David Hood came out with an article tonight on TigerNet um, mentioning how Leggett is not worried about the maybe the drop in targets that he may receive this year because he spoke to Deshaun Watson's ability to spread the ball around really well. And like you mentioned, somebody's going to be open. If those three wide receivers are open, Jordan Leggett's running free somewhere because he can <laughs> – there's not many linebackers in the country that can keep up with him. Right, and you saw the way he could catch, he caught those passes in traffic against Alabama in the national championship game. He's got a, a, a very high level of, of pass-catching ability, I guess you would say. And like you said, he's going to get a lot of open looks. Yeah, just, um, just block, man. Just block. Just block, man. You didn't come back to college to learn to, to be a, <laughs> a receiving tight end. You came back to learn to block. So speaking of a guy who can block, Garrett Williams, true freshman last year, came in and got a lot of playing time. Not a lot of people talked about him. We didn't hear his name a lot because, honestly, he didn't catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but he was a, a, a big piece of this offense last year and being able to bring that pass protection, uh, something that Jordan Leggett doesn't do as well. Yeah, and he can play the, the, in that kind of uh, the fullback role where he, he will be like a lead blocker, but he's also versatile enough where if you need him at the tight end position, even as a catching tight end or receiving tight end, he can do it all. Um, not to the same level of Jordan Leggett when you're talking about a, a receiving tight end, but huge addition because I think he put on like 15 or 20 pounds in the offseason. He was already just a, a guy that would run you over, yeah, r- running mean, over guys bigger than him. We're talking about a guy who put on this extra weight and you know he was the one who smashed uh, Reggie Ragland in the national championship game, leading the way for a uh, Wayne Gallman touchdown. Right. He's 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 gonna really be. I think that's a huge asset. And we talk about a weakness, things that we can potentially improve on this year. Red zone efficiency, scoring, uh, being able to run the ball just right down the middle. We became one dimensional last year because we couldn't necessarily rely on the, uh, the the threat on the outside. Well, now you have Mike Williams back. Hopefully, Deion Kane all all year long. And then knowing that you had that kind of blocking, how if you're if you're say the ten if you're in the red zone, how do you not score if you have Williams, Kane, and Leggett on the field at the same time? You just throw the ball up in the air, right? You got to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> just throw it up in the air. I'm going to be mad if we're kicking a lot of field goals. We'll say that. Um, so Garrett Williams, I mean, the one thing on him, he does need to improve on his receiving skills so he can become more of a dynamic player and really help his offense. One guy who is a good pass catcher and projects well uh, with that ability at the tight end position is uh, Mylon Richard. Right. He's he's got the uh, Herschel Walker's nephew. He's got the build. They call him a guy that once he gets off the bus, every everybody's looking. He he'll wow you with his physicality, uh, you know, just his makeup. But hasn't really been able to put it together. It needs to click for him. He he needs to decide that he wants to be the next guy up. Right, and I think it's a lot. Of, it's in his blocking. Uh, just his, I guess maybe not picking up the system. A guy that the coaches, as they say, can trust. He's just not quite there. But. As, I think as a pass-catching uh, tight end, and you compare it to the contrast between him and Garrett Williams as like that next guy up, I think it's a good dynamic uh, where, they can, where they have some viable options there. Yeah, blend those two guys together, Richard and uh, Garrett Williams, and you have one hell of a tight end. <laughs> right. <laughs> so now let's switch it over to the running backs, uh, the guys that these tight ends are going to be blocking for a lot of the time. And obviously that starts with Wayne Train, Wayne Gallman. I mean, he came out of kind of know where the end of his was was that his red shirt freshman year 
right. uh, to assume the job due to some injuries to some other guys on the roster and really burst on the scene last year and became a really solid running back and, in my opinion, one of the MVPs of the offense. And don't go back and listen to our running back preview from last year because I was saying that I think Tyshawn dies the guy. I didn't think Wayne Gallman was good enough to be an elite running back, and he proved me wrong. You know, and I was I was completely wrong. Let me say for Wayne Gallman, ever since he arrived at Clemson, he wasn't a running back, wasn't a true running back necessarily. He ran, I think, like a wing tee in high school. Was a linebacker. Learned to learn vision, learn how to cut on a dime, like learned a lot of concepts that I'm just blown away uh, how how quickly and how how much he's improved throughout the course of his career. And the word around camp is that he's he's taking his game to another level. Uh, he's he's becoming a little bit more of a pass catching uh, running back, which is something and we desperately need. Yeah, that's been a big thing from him, and and that was a big weakness of his last year. Um, so now the guy that we're assuming at this point to have assumed the backup role uh, uh, to Gallman is Adam Choice, whom was looking like that he would actually win the starting spot ahead of Gallman before he got injured. Yeah, you're talking about uh, last year. Going into last year, we thought he, he could potentially be the guy. Yeah, a, a really good player coming out of high school. Was a was a really good player, unfortunately, tore his ACL before last year started. And I well, think in the BC game. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was the middle of his freshman year. Yeah. But he, yeah, at that point, he was kind of ahead of Gallman on the on the depth chart. And he was I think he came in. He's a little little heavy. He's gotten his weight down. I think he's more got that low center of gravity. Another guy that can run between the tackles, be violent, but also have a little mix. I hope at least of speed and acceleration. I think he gives you a, a legitimate number two option this year. I like what I saw from him in the spring game. Um, he needs to work on pass protection. And that, this is kind of one of the biggest, the most curious things about the offense this year is who, how are the backup running backs going to perform? Because it's kind of the same guys we've heard about in the system for a couple of years now, but because of injury, we really haven't seen them get to play. So Adam Choice is one guy. How about Tyshawn Dye? He's another guy that he was. The, he came in the same class as Goldman, and we thought he was going to be the next great thing at Clemson at running back. Unfortunately, he's dealt with so many injuries. But he's looking better than he's ever looked, more confident. Uh, I think he's been he's been slowed down. He just doesn't have the speed that he once did. Uh, ACL injury, I believe, like a back injury. So uh, I think he gives you another reliable guy. I've been in the system. You can trust him for the most part. And pass protection, and, you know, we say pass protection. I know it's kind of a not fun topic, but when you're talking about protecting the most important player in America, Absolutely. it's very, very important. Yeah, I mean he's he's your best asset. You you got to keep him standing on his uh, standing on his feet. Uh, then there's C.J. Fuller, a guy who's now been in the system a couple years. The coaches will look to incorporate him in multiple ways this year. I mean he's a huge talent. He returned kicks last year. He did some running. Uh, Choice is probably a little bit faster than he is, but uh, Fuller might have a little more power to his game. You're going to see him get thrown in the mix too. And, and he's actually number two, right there, tied with Gallman and guys that they trust. Who can protect Deshaun Watson, but not not a slouch, a, a very another good candidate running back. We feel confident in uh, in spot duty to to be the guy, maybe the wild card, the high upside guy, the most talented running back on the roster. And I think a lot of local Clemson fans know about Tavian Feaster out of Spartanburg. He is unbelievably electric. He's everything. The closest thing we'll say to C.J. Spiller since he left, but in a bigger frame. Yeah, listen, we've heard he started off a little bit slow this year. He had that uh, shoulder injury coming out of uh, the season last year. I think it's taken him a while to acclimate to the college game, but he's come on late in spring practice from everything we hear, and he's really starting to take it up another notch. He's been running with his pad level lower and really accelerating through contact. So if he can pull that together, there's no way that he gets registered this year 
I mean, they've already pretty much stated that he's going to play. You're going to see some really, really dynamic things out of him, not only in garbage cleanup time, but I think during the process of a normal game. I think so. I think I think situationally, at least in the early going, I don't know how much you'd throw him out, uh, throw him out just yet. He is the best receiving uh, running back on the roster. He he played like kind of like Zach Brooks last year. That was his. That he got to be the number two guy because he was so good at that and, and protecting Sean Watson. I don't know if Taven Feaster is going to be there yet, but I think on like a will route, um, he can be a receiver. He more or less played receiver half the time uh, in high school. He's tremendous there, and that could be. Uh, something we won't really think about, but it could be a tremendous asset for the offense. Yeah, again, you know, last year coming into the season, a lot of questions at running back. This year, not so much. I don't, I don't think so. Now, combine the talent that we have there with the guys blocking for them. Let's shift over to the offensive line. We talked about having the best quarterback in the country, possibly the best wide receivers in the country. I think we have the best offensive line in the country, too. I think so. All right, it's got to be up there. I haven't gone roster by roster, but I can't imagine we. I can't imagine that we don't have a top five unit. Last year it was good. Uh, it was the best one we've had in ten years. I think this one uh, projects to be even better. We did lose Eric McLean. Uh, we love that guy. Uh, lost Joe Gore, right tackle. He was a good one. But you're put. You're plugging in Taylor Hearn. Uh, just a mauler, a guy that's got a mean streak, a guy that's going to help us uh, at left guard to uh, kind of build up, build a running game, a better running game there. Um, and then you, you plug in Jake Frew Morgan, uh, who came in the same class as Mitch Hyatt, uh, uber talented, uh, great technique. I think he surpassed Joe Gore. So you're talking about potentially an upgrade at right tackle, potentially an upgrade at left guard. Uh, couple that with maybe the best center in the nation, maybe, Jay Guillermo, and Tyrone Crowder. We love Tyrone Crowder. He's amazing in the run blocking game. He will. He's the reason we really got you know got back on that run, you know, moving well, yeah, the, the we, pile. Well, you saw the difference when he came in for Maverick Morris last year in the South Carolina game of how much the run game improved. And, and we're talking about running between the tackles. Um, you bring in Taylor Hearn, who you mentioned, he's filling in for Eric McLean and Mr. Clemson uh, this year. He's going to be a huge uh, upgrade in the run game like he has a mean streak to him temper can be an issue so he could be a candidate for some personal fouls this year some uh you know activity after the play let's hope that is not an issue but you're right huge upgrade another year in the system uh for tyrone crowder as long as he can stay healthy and keep his weight down you're going to see that improvement we've been looking for Right. So, I mean, you're just talking about the natural progression and the biggest probably leap that most players, any college athlete takes is from freshman to sophomore. And you're talking about, again, going back to Jake from Morgan at right tackle and then, you know, all world Mitch Hyatt at left tackle came in as a true freshman, probably a little undersized. He just, I mean, most true freshman offensive linemen don't have the body quite yet when they, you know, when they first begin. Well, he needed to work on that upper body strength and he's, he's gained about 15 pounds. I think he's going to get to that point where he wasn't perfect last year. Make no mistake, but he was really good. I think he's an all-conference, all-American caliber player this year. But do you think he stepped in for battle last year and it ultimately ended up being better than battle would have been? I think so. I think more reliable, yes. And so now Then what would have been a true senior. <laughs> right. And, and so they're also talking about Jake from Oregon of also possibly assuming that Mitch Hyatt type of role this year and really taking that huge step forward. Granted, he will be a... Uh, true sophomore he does have another year in the program they probably didn't want to have him in that last year battle leaving was probably a big part of that but he did some good things he was overpowered a lot uh, but with some added strength you're going to see that huge improvement that you need to see out of him right he's got the he's uh, he's got the technique 
He's got that slide step. He's, you know, everything you'd want. And you're talking about guys that are not just big dudes. Uh, you know, we've recruited big dudes in the past, but big athletes. These are very athletic guys that understand the, understand the game, understand the nuances, hands, uh, like, you know, footwork, all of that. And two very good ones. Maybe one of the best tackle combinations in the country between from Morgan and Hyatt. Yeah, so I want to know when this new football operations facility gets built and these guys go and weigh in and they get their meal plan from this automated system in the cafeteria. If, say, Tyrone Crowder, for instance, if he's a bit overweight, Who's the one that tells him he really has to eat a salad? <laughs> I don't think anyone. Well, he needs to keep that weight down in all, in all seriousness. But, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to tell him that unless it's Big Dex, and, of and course. You, and you mentioned these guys are mountains of men. Uh, the fact that we're bringing in these freshmen that are so physically advanced. Another thing to be said, you know, a couple true freshmen playing last year we got three that are going to play this year between Sean Pollard, Tremaine Ancrum, and John Simpson. And a lot of people didn't expect Simpson to avoid a redshirt this year, but he's really come in um, and impressed the coaches with the way he's picked up the playbook and blocking schemes. Yeah, and we don't have to go through every offensive line because we're on a tight schedule. But let's, let's say this because we know a lot of first-time listeners are tuning in. They want kind of the high-level overview. We have three freshmen, true freshmen offensive linemen, this is unheard of, that have come in and are looking for a spot on the two deep, and one in John Simpson where we didn't had, we had no intention of letting him play this year because uh, he didn't come in in the spring. Well, he's, he's looking so good that he's, you can't keep him off the two deep. Uh, so things are looking very bright, and you're talking about already young guys in there. 2017 is going to be, it will be the best offensive line in the country. So now you're talking about the talent up, uh, talent up front. We've got the Hosses in there. We've got quality depth that we've finally been able to build at, at Clemson at this point. You know, we mentioned Maverick Morris. Listen, he he's good enough to fill in for injuries on a national championship, com, you know, competing team. So I think we're good there. Justin Falsonelli backing up in center. He's a solid option, going to move into that role next year. We're really, really set uh, from the offensive line standpoint, protecting these elite playmakers on this offense. So if there is a downside, let's say this, I don't think you can replicate the production of Mitch Hyatt at left tackle. There's just not a guy there. So I, I would consider him probably the third most valuable player, if not the second most valuable player on the whole team. He's that, he's that important. Fair enough. Yeah, you lose him, we, we might see a bit of an issue. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you're still confident that somebody can come in and do a serviceable job, aren't you? I think so. I mean, it's going to be a, a draw again, a drop off. Uh, you know, you just don't you don't come out with a Mitch Hyatt. We're we're lucky. He's like a once in a you know five year type talent at least for us. So um, no, I, I'm confident that we have some some dependable guys. Hey, just don't run to that side then. Right? It's that easy. <laughs> Uh, so long story short, this offense is going to be really good. No surprise there. You've been hearing it from the national media, from guys, from people on TigerNet, all the writers there. They're going to be very good. Yeah, we said like three negative things. It's really that good. We have, we'll have some negativity for the defense, a little criticism, but not much for the offensive which, side of the ball. Which we're going to talk about right now. So we're going to flip over to the defense. A lot has been um, said going into this year that, hey, Clemson loses all these guys to the draft. Is their defense going to be as good? And then you hear the counterpoint saying, well, everybody said that about the defense last year, and look how they performed. Uh, But let me throw this out at you. Coming into the season, the 2015 season last year, the starters averaged 108 snaps a game. Coming into this year, they're averaging 57 snaps a game. So that's almost half, and that's with... That's including Austin Bryant, 
who was out for the first several games of the season. Do we really think that this defense this year is going to be able to have the same performance last year, being, or, or are they going to be a little suspect? They're, yeah, they're certainly going to be suspect. It's not going to be... I, is, is, the, is the questioning and the concern fair, whereas you'll hear Ben Bulwer talk about, hey, nobody, everybody doubted us last year, look how it turned out, it's going to be the same thing this year. Is it really? I, I think when there's, there's talent. If you look at Venables, and I, I'll, I'll talk about Venables all the time, what I take from his interviews. And when he came into Clemson in 2012... He just looked like the, a guy that was about to leave at any moment. He was so unhappy with the – but it wasn't the caliber of play. It was the talent. He didn't have talent. He had some experience. He doesn't really care that much about that. He wants guys that are talented, some guy that he can mold into something great. He wants that, that clay. You know, for the, for the defense this year, they, we do lack experience. It's not like last year, certainly not, uh, where the, the guys that were coming in had experience. Because we're talking about Austin Bryant. He's the only defensive end that really has meaningful snaps up to this point. Um, Venables is happy, though. He likes the pieces that he has to work with. He thinks he can mold this into a top 30, maybe, defense. Oh, well, the talent's there. And that might be sufficient. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll say that starting off. Yeah, the talent's there. I mean, you've seen the recruiting over the past several years. It's just not game-ready talent no, quite yet. I mean, no, because we have all new players on the outside and in the secondary aside from Tankersley, right? New right. starters, and then only one linebacker coming back. Defensive tackle, we're set on. Everybody knows that. But there are some question marks. We're really going to have to get in uh, to the season and see how these guys are going to perform. So let's start with the defensive tackle unit, and then we can be kind of concise here. It's probably it's right up there with our wide receivers uh, and then maybe the quarterback position. Maybe one of the best units in the entire country. Christian Wilkins is not a returning starter. You know, that returning starter stat that's so important. Everyone looks at it as kind of their surface level uh, review of a team or assessment of a team. Well, Christian Wilkins is not considered a starter, but I think, in my opinion, he's the best and most talented player on the defense this year. Uh, he can play tackle, move out to the strong side defensive end. He can play nose tackle if, he, if needed. He is unbelievably talented for a 300-pound guy, can move. I don't know if being a defensive end is where we want him, uh, but in short doses uh, to spell Austin Bryant till he gets back from injury, uh, it's, it's great to have that guy out there. Yeah, what a smart move by the coaching staff to get him some work out there during the spring. And you mentioned all of his physical abilities. We're hearing that his character is probably his greatest attribute. How do we keep finding such mean, nice guys? <laughs> Watch Christian Wilkins in an interview, man. He's he's a leader. That's a part of it too. He's just he's a great leader. He looks like every moment at Clemson, he's loving life. He's probably just that kind of a guy. Uh, makes you proud to be a Clemson grad. And uh, I, I think there's something to be said for we did lose a lot of senior leadership, or you could say junior leadership. I think he's instantly proven himself to be a guy that's that's it's leading the huzzle, huddles and picking guys up. Um, opposite him, Carlos Watkins. Uh, at defensive tackle, who is uh, he's on ESPN's All American list. Uh, it, some people have him as a first round draft pick. That's the guy that he'll be playing opposite to. And I, like, again, I think Wilkins is the better of the two. That's how good the defensive line is. And then you got a slew of guys behind him Scott Pagano, the very un, uh, unsung, uh, yeah, right? unsung hero. Yeah, like you're going to say, uh, incredible player. Uh, very much overlooked last year, had a great season. And then Dexter Lawrence, and we'll just spend just a quick second on him. Unbelievable five-star number two player in the country coming out of high school last year. Just a behemoth of a man, 6'4", 
330, he moves kind of like a, a slow defensive end. <laughs> Didn't he weigh in at more than 330, though? I, I think somebody's trying to pull one on us. It, it may have been 340. He, he looks more than 330. I, no, I heard the number thrown out there recently. but He moves really he well looked, for he, a guy that big. He, he looks bigger than that. But let's just say there's options at defensive tackle, and then you go just to the right of that. You got this, the weak side defensive end where it looks like the guy that's emerging there. Cleveland Farrell is it the coaches feel really really good about him as a true sophomore stepping into the system it looked like uh between him and Austin Bryant you know you had a good tandem it looks like he might be the better of the two at least to this point in their careers and that's saying a lot because Farrell didn't even play last year he ended up redshirting because of an injury yeah Farrell's clearly the next star defensive end um Except the difference between that and what we had previously, what we saw in maybe Andre Branch, Vic Beasley, and Shaq Lawson, is that we've got two more years of him. Right. Well, we we got yeah this year maybe another year we'll we'll see. Hopefully, it doesn't leave too early. But uh, you got again. It's it's not that you don't have the talent because Farrell we feel like will be an NFL draft pick, maybe a first second rounder, it's maybe Bryant the same, Austin Bryant opposite him, but. We don't know what we're getting from them. And you, you, you couple that with Bryant's injury. When will he be back? How good will he be? Uh, you definitely have a little bit of concern. I think getting after the quarterback, uh, Kevin Dodd, Shaq Lawson led the nation, I believe, or they were right up there at the top in tackles for loss. Well, the Clemson year. defense itself has led the nation in tackles for loss the last three years. Right. And how do you mitigate the weakness of uh, maybe not having the elite elite at, at, as your bookends? And I think it's through the, def- the interior lines. The tackles. Yeah, that's where they're going to have to make a difference and be better than they were last year. And I think that's part of Scott Pagano's game that's not as strong. He, I don't think he's a sack guy. I mean, he's disruptive. He, he pushes guys into the backfield, but I don't really see him getting after the quarterback. Now, Dexter Lawrence, who can just walk over people, maybe not to the same level that he could in high school, um, you combine that with Watkins, and if Wilkins is able to play that spot, you're going to see a lot more pressure from those guys, and it's really going to help out these defensive ends. I think so. It'll, it'll help with their uh, how they progress. And then Richard Yergin is a, he's third year in the system and or third year in the program, and I think he's he's poised to at least make an impact. A guy that we can rely on. He was an outside converted outside linebacker. He's he's a guy that can potentially rust the passer, and if he's not. A starter, if he's not seeing starter type reps, he could potentially uh, be a third down guy where we can hopefully get some uh, some pressure on the quarterback, whether at weak side or strong side, if he needs to f- spell Austin Bryant. So, but the fact of the matter is, is that we're we're taking a possible third down guy and throwing him into a starter's role against Auburn, which it's, is a team in Gus Malzahn's offense uh, that has a lot of smoke and mirrors, has a lot of things to trick you. How's he, how do you think he's going to perform? Like, I'm hoping Jurgen's really going to blossom this year, given the opportunity and haven't been in the system so long. But it's a tough test to start the season going out against Auburn, Georgia Tech, and Louisville. Those are some tough offenses, offenses to play against. I think so. Uh, for for Jurgen, I don't like having to move him to the opposite side of the field, for one. But I think he's a little bit more complete. He's gotten his weight up to where he can he can set the edge. He can be that kind of multifaceted defensive end that Vic Beasley learned to be. But he also have a little bit of that first step quickness to where you can get pressure on the quarterback and you know beat your guy off the line. So I, I feel good about him. I just wish there were. I wish we had about three more of him. And I, at this point, I'm not. I see a few answers. I don't see a whole lot. And so another injury could spell doom. So you don't see Chris Register or Jabril Robinson as somebody who can step in and fill that role in the short term at least. I don't think Jabril Robinson's ready quite yet. It's his first year as a defensive end. Register, is, they say he's the most improved player. Uh, is that coach speak? Is that them trying to build a guy up? And where do he start? 
He started at linebacker. Is that well, what you're no, saying? I mean, where where did that oh, improvement yeah. <laughs> where did that improvement start from? Good point. Good point. And I and I, I wonder if it's not just talk about smoke and mirrors. I wonder if it's not just the coaches kind of building him up. But we really need another answer there at defensive end. Uh, talent, top end talent is there. Not much depth. We've already seen one injury. Don't want to see another. Cross your fingers. No, well, you know, Xavier Kelly, you know, a good example of that top in talent, but he's not going to be ready to start the season. He's eventually going to play, but it's taken him a while to really grasp a hold of the scheme and be able to read opposing offenses, which are a lot more complex on the college level. Right. He's he's certainly got the talent, and maybe by midseason, if he can rehab from this moped injury, I, I think you know, being a true freshman, he can learn learn these concepts. And he has he has the physical makeup already to make an impact. Hopefully, he can put it together. So one uh, area of the defense where we do have some built up depth this year, as opposed to what we had last year, is the linebacker position. We have one returning returning starter and Ben Bulware. You know. A lot of times these guys hang around to their senior season, and it's like, oh, man, it seems like they've been around for 10 years. For some reason, I still don't feel like Ben Bulware has been around that long, and I'm going to really miss him next year. I feel like he's been around a long time. I think it's because I, I was following him in high school uh, when he was playing, I think, T.L. Hanna and Anderson. I'm definitely going to miss him. I think he's a guy maybe we don't even appreciate as much as we should. He, he's just hard-nosed, rugged. He's the guy that's given his body, going 110% every play. Where do you uh, have him going in the NFL draft next year? That's a tough question. Do you have him getting drafted? Probably not. High round, maybe signing as a free agent. I think he can make a roster, be a special teams guy. Maybe, maybe get on the field as a linebacker. But uh, sideline to sideline speed and and, and length, which is something they value, even at the college level, he just doesn't possess it. He's like 5'11", maybe. Well, I think his will and determination alone is going to take him pretty far. We'll see how... He improves this year. He's going to be a huge part of this defense. He's the leader on this defense. And from everything he says, you know, he's got that that mean streak and that edge to him that I think is going to take him pretty far. So we're set up pretty well at the Will linebacker position. A couple new guys stepping in uh, this year. Kendall Joseph to the mic. Uh, he's going to start there. Dorian O'Daniel at, at the sand position. What do we have on them? Kendall Joseph, if you're just hearing about him, he was he had overtaken apparently B.J. Goodson last year coming out of the out of the uh, fall practice. Got injured, didn't see the meaningful reps, couldn't get uh, couldn't get reps to where he got comfortable or ever looked comfortable at all last year. I think it, all the while battling an injury. If he's really as good as they say that, they, they, if he's as good as they say he is, uh, then he's going to be really good because B.J. Goodson was a very steady Eddie, very reliable player for us last year. Yeah, I think the upgrade there is that he's good in coverage uh, and a lot better than what than B.J. Goodson was. So that's a huge upgrade. Yeah, if there was one knock on the linebackers last year, it's just not as quite as much athleticism. And again, talking about that sideline uh, sideline speed coverage, um, and I think you get a little bit more of that with Kendall Joseph. You look at Dorian O'Daniel, a strong side linebacker, and I think he is a tremendous, tremendous athlete, a guy that could potentially, you know, we like to use that Sam as an, as an extra corner, and we call that the nickel. Well, he can kind of move in and out of like both roles. Yeah, talk about his talent. Look no further than the two Georgia Tech games the last two seasons that he's played in. He really excelled in those games. I really think he is poised to have a huge breakout year, and he's going to turn some heads this year as he's had more time to grasp the system. You know, he's a more athletic guy than Travis Blanks. Great physicality and speed. He runs like a 4440. He's going to turn some heads. 
Yeah, between those two, if, if at least one of those guys doesn't emerge as kind of a mainstay on the defense, if not both of them, I, I would be surprised. Uh, maybe one other guy, and because this unit I think is a little bit more deep or a little deeper than last year's unit, and I think that if there was something you could take away from, especially Mike, the Mike and the Will Goodson and Bulware, was they played too much. They just too many reps. Yeah, like over 800 snaps for each of them. I mean, it's amazing. And Bulware. You know, as far as he the plays. end of the season with one arm, right? And he, their bodies were starting to let up, and I think it had played it. They were playing it probably maybe what they were as a hundred percent at the beginning of the year was very good. They're probably playing like 80 percent by the end of the year against North Carolina. So uh, having that depth is so important. Trey Lamar, uh, so rare does a true freshman linebacker come in and can make an impact. Linebacker is just a tough, tough position to pick up on. Well, Trey Lamar is that guy. He's I believe he's an engineer major, smart guy. Highest GPA of the mid-year enrollees. Oh, really? Okay, great. I mean, an engineering major and you're playing, you know, D1 college football and a national championship contender you're going to play as a true freshman. That's absolutely amazing. And it's it's not even just his smarts. He's picked it up faster than just about any linebacker uh, that we can think of in recent memory. But he's got the physical tools. He's about 6'4", 240. Uh, he's really just a huge guy can can just play downhill uh, hit his gap take guys out uh, just a physical specimen who uh, hope Kendall Joseph Kendall Joseph will be good but can will Mike or uh, Trey Lamar excuse me be so good that he overtakes Kendall Joseph and how soon will that be because it's gonna be hard to keep him off the field well and that's not even a question I think the bigger thing and you you hit on it was that these guys are gonna be able to split reps and keep them fresher as the season goes along because if we end up playing in the national championship game that's 15 games that you're playing in the season as opposed to just a couple years ago it was like 12 right 12 13 um so you know the the flip side of trey lamar shaq smith came in with him as a five-star recruit he's probably going to redshirt this year just hasn't picked up the game the same way that trey lamar has yeah i still question if he'll end up redshirting but it's it's unfortunate but not a not a really it shouldn't be a cause for alarm because a lot of freshman linebackers, Stefan Anthony was also a five-star, and I think it took him until his junior year before he really put it together. And uh, no big surprise. I hope Shaq Smith just sticks with it because he is going to be a special one if he, if, he, if he keeps working hard. And by all accounts, he has put in the work. So a few other guys you're going to see get out there on the field this year. Corn Wiggins at the Sam position. You know, he's coming off of, off of an injury. We were expected to rely heavily on him last year. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, he doesn't have elite speed, but he has great instincts that put him in the right place at the right time. And then also Jalen Williams. Um, you might see him come and be the backup of the will position if something were to happen to Ben Bulware earlier on in the season. Um, so, again, really building depth this year. You know, we won't even go into Chad Smith, J.D. Davis, who has come on, and then true freshman uh, Jamie Skalski, but really building a lot of depth uh, in this linebacker core. Now, the hot topic about the defense and the lack of depth uh, aside from defensive end is the cornerback position. We're having to replace one of the best cornerbacks that Clemson's ever seen in McKenzie Alexander. Fortunately for us last year, Kodrea Tankersley really came on at the boundary corner position and played amazing. A lot of people don't realize this. He actually played more man coverage than Mac last year. He is returning as our leader at that position and in the secondary. How valuable is it to have him and how how valuable was it for him to come on last year and be as good as he was? Would would we end up being in the national championship game if it wasn't for him? Probably so, <laughs> but that's a good question. But who but, else would have played for him in his place? It's a good point because there was a – you look at the drop-off, Adrian Baker might have been the next guy, so that's actually a good point. And 
Yeah, he is tremendous. He's not going to be as good of a cover corner as Mac, but I think he can be close. And I think he can be a better maybe all-round corner when you factor in his ball skills. I think he had a few interceptions last year. I expect him, if anyone will dare pass his way, I think he might have a few more this year. But also a guy that's a little bit longer than McKenzie Alexander and can get off his blocks and come up uh, on the running backs and, and make some tackles. He's uh, Having him back is such a shot in the arm. He could have won in the NFL. Probably a good decision because I think he'll come back and solidify himself. It's not, If not a first-round pick, and probably a top two uh, round pick because I think he's about six feet tall, they, uh, which is pretty tall for a corner, I guess. And NFL scouts like that. So great that we can start the conversation with Tank uh, because the big question is on the, the field, on the field cornerback uh, position. Right. Who's playing there? Mark Fields really turning it on. Um, he's been needing to trust the coaches and his technique. And he's been a little slow to buy into that. But we're hearing a lot of good things about him. He's really solidified himself as the starter on that side of the field. He looks good. He's got the, all the athleticism in the world. Dad played in the NFL. He's got the pedigree. Uh, it's For him, I think it was just maturity, uh, trying to really put in the, the work. And I think something that you see a little bit, it's the coaches being very calculated in how they talk about guys in the media, how they shine the light spotlight on certain guys, which I don't think they would have ever done this necessarily in recent years. They had so much concern at that quarterback position opposite Tank that they put the, the spotlight on, on, on Fields, and they knew he had the talent to get there. I think he's finally he's put in the work, the maturity, to be that guy. Well, and they, they've been really trying to light a fire under him. You know, exactly. To, to have Adrian Baker as the starter, I guess, coming out of, of spring ball, and then when he goes down, uh, Marcus Edmond, um, you know, you put him in there, and then Trayvon Mullen comes in, and then there's a lot of chatter about him being the starter i mean all of this i think is aimed to get one of the best athletes on the team to get his head right and really start taking it seriously and assume that position that is honestly rightfully his if he wants it i think i think it is his and i think having him step in and be that guy is is such a big plus for the team we'll see how he does i don't think auburn or any necessarily of our early opponents are loaded with great receivers so hopefully he can be that guy as trayvon mullen who is a sensational uh, high four-star receiver that, that came in and put his name in the hat early. You factor in, like you said, Marcus Edmonds. He looked good in the spring. He can at least give us valuable depth if he doesn't vie for the starting position. And then another guy would be... Um, Ryan Carter. Well, yeah, he's, he's more of like your utility backup, shortstop, can play left field, whatever guy. I was thinking of... Um, God, I'm drawing a blank, Ben. Help me out here. Adrian Baker, when he returns from injury... Yeah, but we don't really think he's going to be a meaningful contributor this year, do we? I mean, that, that ACL injury is going to keep him out to maybe November, and at that point, are you able to get conditioned and come back in and, and play well? I mean, do we not just have to kind of count him out from this year? I think we do, but I, I, I like if he can come in in November, if it is November, maybe October, best-case scenario, that would be a huge shot in the arm for just for depth because we saw it in the national championship game when Adrian Baker went out, or I'm sorry, when McKenzie Alexander went out. I think that was big part of what cost us the game um so that's that's the cornerback situation switching over to the safeties which is an area we're replacing two nfl draft picks so we feel a lot better than we probably should right now right with jadar johnson and van smith we came in yeah we came in in the spring saying we're just as concerned about the safeties as we are the cornerbacks but that hasn't been the case at all and again you want you want a good read on this go to brent venables he's very he's feeling very good about the safeties uh, he really likes van smith he's a true sophomore was actually mark phillips high school teammate um, but he came in in limited action i think his dad was a high school coach so he always yeah, had those coach's son really good instinct 
Right, and you can, and you saw like the importance of good instincts in the national championship game. Like TJ Green was just you know maybe it was his fault, maybe it wasn't, but just out of position. Now TJ Green had unbelievable athleticism and speed and things that I don't think Van Smith will next necessarily be able to bring to the table. Well, but, hopefully he he's not having to chase anybody down from behind. Yeah, right? just <laughs> be in the right spot. Yeah, be efficient <laughs> with your uh, decisions, and you'll be just well, fine. Listen, I think our safeties are going to be really more disciplined and cohesive um, as a group this year. Uh, Jadar Johnson, I really think he should have played more last year. He he is that talented. I think he has the best instincts in the secondary, which really makes up in part for his lack of speed. And then Van Smith, like you mentioned, uh, like we mentioned, really good instincts. He got picked on in pass coverage a little bit last year, so we want to see that improve. Um, but I think he's a great tackler. Tackler, I think we're going to be in really good shape. Some other guys backing them up that we haven't really heard a lot about, but the coaches do seem really positive about is Tanner Muse and Denzel Johnson. Yeah, two guys that one was a converted wide receiver from high school, Denzel Johnson. The other was a hybrid linebacker, uh, Tanner Muse. And we wondered if these guys would contribute, and if so, how long it would take. Well, and here, here they are in their second year. And like true second year, there's true or they're redshirt freshmen, and Venables feels good about those guys. If one of the starters were to go down, he's feeling really good. And I think that says a ton about you know give them credit, give the coaching staff credit on player evaluations, and, and give everyone their credit for developing these guys. And I think that's just a huge huge shot in the arm for. I mean, you got to expect some injuries here and there. Yeah, I mean, we really haven't seen them out on the field yet, so we're going to have to take the coach's word for it, as you mentioned. Uh, but but good to hear the confidence in them. And then finally, one other guy who's going to play, he can switch between the cornerback position and the safety position. True freshman, Kevon Wallace, coming here. He's going to be a utility man in the secondary, and I think his presence is really going to help cover up some injuries if they do occur and provide depth at multiple positions, which is invaluable. Yeah, we talk about finding a guy, just knowing that you hit on him when he's already like you can't keep him off the off the red shirt list because you just know he's going to be valuable when when called upon, and that's Kevon Wallace, a guy that we wasn't even on our radar last year in terms of a recruit until the very end, and we snag him out of Virginia. Great pickup, and maybe uh, not to uh, discount Ryan Carter, even though like he's. We don't know what position he plays. He's kind of a 5'8 safety who can play some corner. He, you ideally prob- probably want him as a safety or in the nickel. But uh, but a, a, a good player that's been, again, a utility guy, has experience. You can trust him. He's not going to provide a high level of upside, but you can trust him. Yeah, he's a jack-of-all-trades, which is really just like you know the baseball analogy, utility man, a guy that can back up multiple, position, multiple positions. That's huge. And that helps keep Isaiah Simmons off the field and his red shirt on because he didn't progress as we thought he may. But still, for this coaching staff to come in near the end of the recruiting cycle last year after we had some unexpected losses in the secondary and pick up Mullen and Wallace and Isaiah Simmons and then have two of them looking at playing time coming into this year, I mean, that says a lot about their recruiting ability and then also these guys that you know that we've got on the team. Absolutely. And Maybe one other name you already mentioned, Corbin Wiggins, who plays that nickel because he's I think he's better around the ball, around the line of scrimmage, but could also potentially move to safety in a pinch. A guy that's I think this is what is his third year, fourth year in the program now. So uh, it was he was a starter on the 2014 best uh, defense in the nation. So not a scrub, and he, you'll probably see him mostly in that nickel package uh, in, in those sets. But you could also move him into safety in a pinch, and that provides a lot of important depth. So. There's the offense and defense, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, a lot of young guys, a lot of freshmen, they're going to be getting a lot of playing time. Now, another place you're going to see them make an impact this year, both the starters 
and the freshman is on special teams, which really lacked last year, really came back to bite us in the butt several times, a big part of the reason why we lost the national championship game. That really all starts with kickoffs and kick coverage. Hearing a lot of good things about Greg Kugel, he's really he's been putting some balls into the end zone. We're not going to have to rely on Skalski, uh, <laughs> a true freshman linebacker, to come in and kick off. Um, so that's big. But not only that, like I mentioned, starters are going to play on kick coverage this year. You're going to see Ben Bullware back in there. That's going to be huge. I really look to, to see us be hugely improved in this area this year. And we've seen what happens when this coaching staff really sets their mind on improving an area of this team. It happens with flying colors and far exceeds people's expectations for the most part. I think, you know, given what we saw last year, uh, this may be a bit of a stretch, but I think we're one of the best in the country this year defending on kickoffs. We'll see. Dabo, like you said, when he puts his mind to anything and you look at his track record, he usually usually exceeds with uh, with flying colors. So uh, six seeds, excuse me. So I heard this from David Hood uh, in an interview he did, I think, on uh, on Athlon's podcast. Uh, it was a nice little interview where he talked about the attention that's put on special teams. Dabo's taken lead on that. He's he's put a, and I think we've we've written about we've seen reports about this. Where he's the guy that's kind of you know over overseeing that special teams unit, but also they hired consultants who I think maybe some like NFL coaches or something that looked at film and said, "Here's your problem on special teams." And what it what it came down to is just the personnel. You're not you're not putting in elite personnel uh, in those units. So, like you said, those those true freshmen maybe they're not ready for the big time as a in the secondary or at linebacker but if they can be but a guy like Skalski can really come in uh, and make an impact right in right because the it's, talent's there the talent's there it's about buying it's, in yeah. and Ben Bullware uh, mentioned that in an article today on TigerNet was that you just you just got to get these guys uh, to buy in uh, to what they're doing and treat it as an equal uh, a part of the game that really does have a huge impact on the outcome, especially when you're starting to play elite teams. And you talk about consulting, they've consulted Catman as well. He's you know, given them the advice that in the NFL that the, the kickers don't work on kickoffs as much uh, during the beginning of the season and through the season to really preserve their leg strength. So that, that's another big deal there too. Um, and speaking one more thing about Hugel, place kicking we're really just looking on him to become more dependable between 40 and 50 yards and if we're hearing his leg strength has increased on the kickoffs you know i think we'll see a positive uh, effect there yeah i mean not much to say there um you need to see improvement you need to see that that's kind of an interesting take from Catman about uh, preserving the leg strength yeah, and so to wrap up on special teams here, you know, we won't talk about punting a lot. You know, just just get the ball off. Teasdall, we looked at for him to improve this year. We're never we're never going to have a guy like Bradley Pinion who ended up leaving early for the NFL draft, but continued improvement from Teasdall. Uh, kick returning and punt returning, there's such a bevy of talent there that we're going to see some good things inevitably happen in that game. Maybe not punt returns so much because that's a different animal. Uh, you really just want to get the ball and possess it. But kick returns look for us to be much more dynamic this year with Scott McLeod, Renfro Fuller, and even Powell back there. Yeah, I like I like Ray Ray. I talked about him being the guy on the outside. He can apply that elusiveness to the kickoff return game, and I think you, you might see a few uh, touchdown returns. There we go. That's just another dynamic uh, of this football team that can really put some points on the board and put some teams away. As you saw last year play itself out at the end of the season in the national championship game, you really need all three phases clicking on all cylinders to be able to beat 
uh, elite teams when in the spotlight on that national, you know, that, that, that big level. So I think we both agree that best offense in the country, maybe not number one statistically, but number one in our hearts, <laughs> number one in uh, what the product on the field. Defense, uh, what, do you give them a top 30, top 50, 25 ranking? I, I have faith in them. I think we have a lot of talent. I think we have great coaching. I, I, I give us a top 20, and I think the offense is going to be so much more improved over what they were last year, which is hard to believe, but they're going to be able to cover up any of the flaws that may be exposed in the defense this year. And you combine those two things with a much, much improved special teams. We'll get into the prediction for the season uh, here over the weekend, but get ready, folks. This could be a really good football team. I think so. I, I'll, I'll say top 30 defense, and that's all, all we'll necessarily need because of how good the offense will be to win us the championship, get us back to that, at least get us back to that uh, playoff. So that's all we've got for today. That's our uh, position group preview, part one of our uh, series here leading into the season. Again, a lot of excitement building around this team. Uh, Next time, we're going to take a look at the schedule, break down some of our opponents, and give you our predictions of how the season is going to play out. Uh, So until next time, thank you for listening. A big thank you again to TigerNet for partnering with us this year. And as always, go Tigers.